Well, it looks like we are now live, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the next session of Coaching and Coffee with Keith. And I am super excited about what we're covering today. Uh, after all, <clears throat> by the way, welcome to my new studio. Uh, before we dive into the conversation, some quick housekeeping uh things to set the right atmosphere for this session, okay? Number one, this is a safe place for everyone, so uh, the more questions you ask, the, the richer the conversation will get. My only goal and intention here is support you, and we have about 50 minutes to do so. So to pour the foundation of why this session is the most valuable hour of your month, possibly your year, realize first that CEO confidence is at an all-time low. The solution most companies do is more frequent pipeline, more frequent forecast reviews, more deal reviews, more cold calls, more meetings, and this stressful pressure to push for results, unfortunately doing more of the wrong thing faster or more frequently gets you further from where you want to be and will prevent you from closing the year strong. Paradoxically, uh, what if the solution to driving long-term sustainable results, peace of mind, positivity, engagement, collaboration with you, trust amongst your team and peers is less about what you do and more about being by focusing on who you are and how you think, not what you do. After all, there is a saying, how you think is what you get. What you focus on grows. What uh, beliefs precede experience. These all allude to the fact that before you can change results, before you can solidify and sustain behavioral change, it all starts with the transformation of thinking and attitude. And that's why we will be discussing now the five innovative and success mindsets that the top sales leaders possess to develop the attitude of champions and then coach others on the same thing. Because these are areas that managers don't even coach to because they are not coached to it and they don't know how to coach the B. They're really good at coaching the go-do. So we're going to dive into topics such as how you can be unconditionally courageous and confident. How do you develop a team of confident champions? How do you eliminate the fear and stress that is certainly affecting all of us today, the uncertainty? And how can you make fear your friend? How can you make fear your greatest teacher and fear your greatest ally? How can you hold people accountable with, with just two questions? We're also going to dive very quickly into the cost of assumptions. And finally, what if you can develop the eternal patience and never lose your patience again? I can share how to do that in about two minutes. So as always, I look forward and, and welcome your comments. Uh, I welcome your questions. If I miss one of your questions, please email me separately. I know we're pressing for time here at kr at keithrosen.com or text me at 516-231-2774 and I will surely respond. So let's go ahead now and begin our conversation. To kick this off, I pose a question. Why 
don't managers coach the most important areas that would lead to the most transformational breakthroughs? It's one thing to change. Change implies what you do. Transformation implies evolving not only what you do, but who you are. So while every conversation is a coaching opportunity, most managers focus coaching on performance. They coach results. They coach activity. They coach, they coach pipeline or problems and challenges and what you do. But what about coaching the who? You know, and here's where managers struggle the most because they don't know how to coach the be, only the do. So what we're talking about now are the top five conversations right now you need to learn so you can coach to the who. The mindset, not necessarily always the activity to create a successful team of remote, productive, happy, engaged champions and make you the best leader you can be both inside and outside of work. So for long lasting results, coaching the inner game is always more impactful than coaching the outer game. So let's start off by discussing the one thing I mentioned earlier. Let's level set the truth right now around this conversation everyone hear me when i say you have been lied to your entire life what you believe about the things we are discussing are not true okay i'm not here to tell you you know what you want to hear i'm 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 not paid to be popular i'm here to challenge you and I promise you, you will be challenged today. So make sure you're, you're coming here with an open mind and an open heart. So I'm here to give you the truth. And the truth is what will open you up to opportunities and possibilities you've never seen. So let's go ahead and kick off the first topic right here. Confidence. Confidence. Without confidence, imagine how that will impact you, your performance, your state of mind, your attitude. Another thing about confidence is this. You see, you have been lied to your entire life about the definition of confidence. You see, the global definition of confidence and how we develop it when I ask people is always the same response. Well, Keith, if I do better and I improve performance, whether myself or my team or my company, and um, I'm doing better, well, then, of course, my confidence goes up. Oh, okay, so... I would ask the same manager or salesperson, so what happens when you don't get the results that you want? Well, that impacts my confidence. Hmm. Well, if that impacts your confidence, how does that impact the next sales call? Well, yeah, I may, I may lose my confidence. It may show up during the presentation. I may not have the courage that I need to ask the tougher questions to move the deal forward and, and, and earn that client's business. But wait, then I earn their business and my confidence goes up. My confidence goes up. I earn their business. This is a roller coaster ride. Hear me when I say this is insane. Confidence has no relationship to results. Hear me when I say that. However, we have grown up and been told if you want to build your confidence, go out there and do something. Go out there and be productive. That'll help your confidence. Well, that might have a small impact on your confidence and certainly not long lasting, but we need to sever the ties between the relationship of confidence and results. 
okay? Because when we base our confidence on results, we are surrendering our personal power to external influences. In other words, well, I hit a great result. My internal condition, my confidence goes up. Oh, I have another achievement. Great. My internal condition, my personal power, okay, increases. Uh-oh, I didn't achieve a result. Uh-oh, someone left on my team. We lost a client. Uh, whatever that uh, undesired result or outcome is, that affects your confidence. That is surrendering all of your personal power. You're making your confidence conditional. So how do you make your confidence unconditional? By changing your mindset and definition of confidence. After all, what we're really talking about all day is if you're watching TV and you don't like what you're watching, you change the channel. Well, this is not a go-do call. This is a go-be session, okay? So when managers and salespeople ask me, Keith, okay, this is great. Now, what do I do? No, you don't do confidence. You don't do present. You don't do truth. You don't do integrity. You are. It's who you are, not what you do. So when we're talking about developing additional confidence, I want you to try on a new definition, one that will enhance you and support you and the people you interact with. What if confidence was a choice? That's it. What if confidence was a choice? Just like I choose to change the station on my TV. What if you can do the same thing with your mindset? After all, who told you that you have to be married to your mindset your entire life? You can let that go. That's called growth and evolution. So I want you to consider this. If confidence is a choice, how about this definition? I'm confident because I choose to be confident without the external measurements to support it. So I haven't mastered looking at 500 people in the eye yet, but I want you to uh, imagine I'm looking at you right in the eye. I want you to hear what I'm saying to each of you. This is exceedingly important. Do not uh, answer your text right now. Put your email aside, and I want you to focus on this. You have already proven yourself. You have already proven your worth, both inside and outside of work. Everything else is just gravy. I'm not saying, are you saying, Keith, stop striving for excellence? And no, I'm not saying that at all. But as we just talked about, achieving more is distinct from being who you want to be, which is someone who has the unconditional confidence of a champion by choice. One of my favorite quotes is by a Persian philosopher, Hafez, and his quote is, I am happy before I have a reason. Choice. Not once I achieve this, then I'll be happy. Once I hit my quota, oh, then I'll be so satisfied. For what? A day? A minute? A clap? A high five? Fist pump? Yeah, we did it. And then the counter resets to zero. Conditional. Once I have enough money in the bank, once I get that promotion, once I find my soulmate, once I get that new toy, that house, that new car, then I'll be happy. You know what that's called? That is sad. That is sad. Because you're surrendering your personal power, your state of mind, your happiness, your internal condition to things you can't control. Separate the two and you will be able to have both. So 
this is a perfect segue now to what it means to become absolutely fearless. This is the second most popular topic that I would say practically every manager who comes to me has this challenge. Every salesperson, every business owner or professional other than Keith, my confidence is waning. But after all, we don't get tested on our good days, right? We get tested on our challenging days because that's when the essence of our true character emerges. So yeah, you can be confident on a good day, but what about on a challenging day? You can be fearless on a good day, but what about on a challenging day or a challenging situation? Okay. Unfortunately, most of us viscerally react to fear as a negative thing or a weakness. What if I tell you fear is your greatest ally and your strength? So I want, I want to walk you through, again, uh, a new definition because all I can do is, is, is share with you because there's no go do. There's a go be. It's shifting your mindset. So uh, most people, when they think of fear, it's one dimensional. Okay. Um, oh my God, Keith, when I'm I fear, you know, when I, when I, when I do public speaking, you know, my, my hands free, you know, they start sweating my, I get butterflies in my stomach, you know, I get a pang in my neck. Uh, you know, it, it's a physiological reaction that is real, but here's the thing. What we don't realize is that there are two parts of fear. There's the feeling of fear. And then there's that which we fear. Okay. Now, as I alluded to before, the feeling of fear is very, very real. That manifests in your body. I hope you were being eternally patient while I was offline. So, so getting back to fear. Uh, now, here's a problem. I just got disconnected. Okay. I was very concerned that I lost time out of your day to watch this, expecting some serious, serious value here. And I just got disconnected. So I had a choice right there, right? I can go into fear and say, oh my God, I can't get disconnected. What am I going to do? I'm going to disappoint all these people. I'm not going to be able to deliver value. Then I can't deliver value. No one will hire me and no one will hire me. I can't pay my bills. I can't pay my bills. I won't be able to afford my new my new house and my farmhouse. I can't afford that. Then I'm going to lose all my money in my house. I'm going to have to live under a bridge. Come on. We all tell our crazy stories. That's fear consuming us. Because here's the thing, and this is why developing a personal vision, values, and, and finding out your internal motivations is so essential. Because if we don't know what we want, our dreams, our goals, our values, and
all this. Okay, hopefully we're back up online. All right. Um, again, apologies, everyone. Uh, uh, gotta love when you're playing around with a new uh, router. So let's get back to where we were. And as I was saying before, if you want and you don't know what you do want and your goals don't stand a chance, you will always default to fear. So <clears throat> I want you to think about, again, the three points of time, the past, the present, and the future. Where do we live? Okay. Unfortunately, we don't have all day to have this conversation, but I think we could all agree we physically exist in the moment. Where do we live? At what point in time do you live? Are you living in the past? Are you living in the present or the future? I'm going to challenge you right now. And I'm going to say 90% of your time, maybe 95, and I'm being generous, 95% of your time, you're actually present in the moment. The rest of your time, you're either living in the past or like most of my friends in every organization, you're living in the future. Why? Because guess what else lives in the future? The result, your quota, your KPIs, your business objectives. Um, everything that you need to achieve is future-based because you haven't achieved it yet. By default, you have been set up to be future-driven. You've been set up to be a result-driven thinker. The greatest cost to that is if you're focusing on the result, you're living in the future and you are no longer being present. And the last time I checked, life happens now in the moment. Okay? So that's why being present, patience, fear, to be able to leverage it as an ally is to realize the feeling of fear is real, but that which we fear is never real because it hasn't happened yet. And by the way, if we're focusing on the negative outcome of what we don't want, how about we focus on the positive outcome of what we do? So I hope that segmenting and distinguishing between the two parts of fear allows you to leverage fear, enhance it, embrace it, and realize when fear is showing up, it's showing up to teach you something. Don't push it away. Listen to that fear. What's showing up for you? Label it, name it, so then you can get through it on your own. And that's how you become fearless, by embracing fear another paradox. So as we continue, we have some other hot topics to discuss, and I want to make sure we're staying right online. As I promised everyone here, accountability. Accountability. How do I hold other people accountable? How do I hold my team accountable? How do I hold my manager or peers accountable? If you're sitting there like most managers, banging your head against the wall, trying to figure out how to hold people accountable, you're asking the wrong person. You're asking the wrong person. So ask them. Ask them, they'll be happy to tell you. Because if you are making an assumption on how people like to be held accountable, how people like to be motivated, how people like to be observed or managed, or even coached, what you are doing is falling into the, one of the greatest traps as a leader and as a coach, which is coaching and managing in your own image. And the internal narrative for you sounds like, well, this is what worked for me, so it should work for them. Well, first of all, let's stop right here. And I want to call everything out right now and say, uh, do yourself a favor, do everyone else a favor, don't shit on anyone. 
And if my New York accent is coming out, that's S-H-O-U-L-D, okay? Because should is the excrement of your agenda. You should do this. Well, that's your agenda, okay? You're not tapping into that person's individuality. You're building mini-me's. You're building robots. So the same thing bleeds back to accountability. Well, if you were my manager, I'm, I love being managed in a very direct way. And if you said to me, Keith, here's a deal. You need to make more calls. You need to book more meetings. And you need to uh, in, in accelerate your pipeline by at least 20%. If you said to me straight on, I'd be like, I'm on it later. And I'd run and I'd get it done. You do that to some people, you will literally make them cry. Okay. I've had managers say, well, actually, I actually have made some people cry before. Because you're coaching and managing them and holding them accountable the way you want to be held accountable. And people are not motivated and uh, by what you want. They're motivated by what they want. They like to be held accountable the way they like to be held accountable. So if we don't know, why don't we ask? Here's two questions to hold people accountable and continue the momentum to ensure that they achieve what they're committing to. Here you go. In two minutes, probably less. Question number one. How can I hold you accountable in a way that would be supportive and not like I'm micromanaging you? Or if you'd like to say, how can I be your best accountability partner to hold you accountable in a way that sounds supportive and not negative? Now, that's how I would say it. You could leverage exactly that language or use your own phrase so it comes more naturally uh, for you and for your style. But remember, Keep the spirit of the message intact of that question. Now, second question, they make a commitment, okay? Following up, what happens if they don't honor their commitment, okay? How do you handle that? Well, most managers put their head in the sand, cross their fingers and pray, oh, I hope this person finishes this task. I hope they come to me and get it done. Because you see, I, I don't like holding people accountable because a lot of times people hold, they, they use accountable with confrontation. They, 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 they connect accountability with conflict. No, no, no. It's all how you do it. It's managers think, well, I don't want to give them too much rope to hang themselves with and I don't want to micromanage them. Well, Here's how you follow up with someone and learn how they want to be followed up with by one question. How do you want me to follow up with you if you don't honor the commitments you make? What would you like that to sound like? Or conversely, um, how would you like me to acknowledge you for a job well done? Either way, you're now having them create the rules, not you. And guess what? Now you're never the bad guy. And you're going to hear a different response from each person on your team. If you're a manager and for salespeople, you'll hear a different response for your clients. Because why wouldn't you ask your clients that? Because today we need to hold our clients accountable in a whole new way. So those questions now never make you the bad guy. If we transition now to topic number four-ish, uh, and I say four-ish because we've already started touching on it. We started talking about uh, eliminating assumptions that kill basically everything. Performance of the assumptions of the root cause of all evil, performance, um, relationships, lost sales, uh, disengagement, attrition, um, miscommunications. Assumptions destroy the fabric of everything that we want to create positively in every area of our life. So I want you to consider the definition of what an assumption is because assumptions and fear are siblings. 
You see, the definition of fear is basically we had a past experience, one that we didn't like, and then we project it into the future as a negative anticipated expectation. So in the most simplistic terms, you or yourself may know someone uh, who may be afraid of dogs. Uh, and what do you hear? You hear, well, when I was younger, I was bitten by a dog. So I don't want that to happen again. Past experience projected as a future expectation. Missing the present. If you want to avoid fear, bring yourself back in the moment because fear only lives in the future. So if you find yourself fearful, there's your barometer right there. You're living in the future. So now let's look at the definition of assumptions. Past experience projected as a future expectation. Let's use an example. Uh, I have to go speak to one of my coworkers, John. And uh, if there's a John on the call, John, it's not about you. I'm making this up. Okay, buddy. Uh, and I'm going to uh, approach John. And the last time I spoke to John, the conversation actually imploded. And uh, I'm thinking now, oh, geez, I got to go have another conversation with John. What do you think is going on in my mind? What do you think my internal dialogue is? Well, the last time I spoke to John, past experience, the conversation blew up and we both agreed to disagree, which, by the way, to me is one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard in my life. Agree to disagree is basically like saying this is a failed conversation. Anyway, sorry to digress. So the last time I had a conversation with John, it didn't go well. Past experience, I bet it's not going to go well again. Projected and anticipated future expectation. So now think about it. What makes a conversation difficult? What if I told you there's no such thing as difficult conversations? And here's why. Because when we walk into a conversation with assumptions, it then impacts your behavior and how you approach the conversation. Look at the, look at the definition of coaching. My definition is very simple. The art of creating new possibilities. If you walk into a conversation with assumptions or fear, you're, you're creating the past, becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. So when you change the way you think, you change your approach, change your intention, come from a positive place, come from a place of, of, of new and a, a, you know, a, a blank canvas, okay? And then from there, you have the opportunity to create a new possibility. Because when you change the way you think and you change the way you approach people, you change the way they feel. You change the way how they engage and hey, they want to work with you, which ultimately builds trust because you're not working off assumptions and fear anymore. Okay. And as you can see, this really does bleed all together into the single most important thing. No matter what job you have, no matter what your career is, uh, is how difficult is it for you to be present in the moment? Now, if you're being honest, you'd probably agree that, well, Keith, I'm probably disconnected probably 95% of the day, as you said, because I'm pulled in a million different directions. I'm focusing on the future in terms of what I need to do and hit results. I'm focusing on the past of what happened last quarter. Uh, you know, I'm focusing on my, my responsibilities at home. I'm all over the place. Living in the present 
is difficult. It's difficult. So the best example for me to illustrate this is by sharing a personal story. And uh, this happened to me, I guess I have three children. My oldest is uh, uh, 23. She's actually studying in Maastricht uh, near Amsterdam, getting her master's in art uh, and uh, art procurement. And my uh, twins, I have twins. They're older. They're out of the house now. They're, uh, they're seven years old. No, I'm just kidding. They're 14. <laughs> no, I'm really not kidding. They're 18. They're off in college. Um, and uh, uh, I, I remember, you know, going out when they were, so my, my oldest was probably 13. My twins are probably nine. Uh, four-year difference, and I was out in California for the week, uh, delivering a few different seminars, workshops, uh, coach training for salespeople and for for managers. And uh, I was there all week. Monday, Friday, I flew home. So I caught an early flight on a Friday morning uh, back to JFK. Get on the flight. Six hours later, uh, we land. Um, of course, at that point, you know, that many years ago, everyone's you know. You hear the ding ding, everyone takes out their phone and starts catching up because we were disconnected for six hours. So then I take out my phone and I see all the texts that are coming in and all the emails that are coming in. And uh, you know, I put my phone back in my pocket, I grab my luggage, I, I go outside and uh, I call it what they call a taxi. It's pre Uber time. Okay, I call a taxi and uh, I get in the taxi and it's raining outside. So I jump in the taxi, I throw my bags in there, give the guy the directions, we're on our way home. Uh, and, uh, what do I do? I take out my phone again. Okay. Cause I got a lot to catch up on and I'm all over the place. I'm like, okay. Um, I have to respond to my client this week. I want to make sure that objectives were achieved. What else I need to do to uh, reinforce and support their leadership or sales team. Uh, I want to make sure that, uh, that, uh, everyone, uh, has a peer coach and, um, had a massive transformational experience. Uh, okay. I want to do that. I got to call them and follow up with, with some of the resources. Oh, wait, I got to, I got I got the proposal due next week. I, I have to call that client at that other engagement due next week. Oh, I forgot about that, that email and that blog I have to write. I'm in the past, I'm in the future, I'm all over the place, but I'm not in the present. So finally, before I knew it, I was home 35, 40, 50 minutes later. The rain starts subsiding. I go in the house, my, my family's there, my kids come over, they give me a big hug and a kiss, and my wife comes over and gives me a hug and a kiss. And uh, she says, Listen, you're home earlier. We haven't gone out for for dinner, how about we we go out for dinner? I said, absolutely. Let me just you know change up and wash up, and we'll go. So you know, ten minutes later, uh, there we are, packed everyone in the truck, and we're driving off to my kids' favorite restaurant. The rain again is beginning to subside. A little bit of a cloudy day, and uh, there I am with the four most important people in my life, and I am not with them about what was I'm thinking about what will be and what I have to do I am not in the present and I am in my own head and almost like an out-of-body experience I could hear my kids laughing in the back and my wife having a conversation with them but I wasn't with them and we're pulling up to the restaurant and all of a sudden I hear my son Jet in the backyard say, Daddy, da backyard, <laughs> back of the car. And he says, Daddy, Daddy, look out the window. A rainbow. In two seconds, my kids, my greatest coaches, snapped me right back into the present. And I looked out and I saw this beautiful rainbow. 
and we started having a con silly conversation around the rainbow with my kids. And I started asking them questions like, hey guys, uh, can you see all the colors in the rainbow? And where do you think the rainbow starts? And where do you think it ends? And uh, by the way, do you think there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and a leprechaun? And all of a sudden, my younger daughter, Nicole, she is the tough one. Better look out for her. Very confident girl. And she says, Daddy, maybe the leprechaun is a woman, not a man. Maybe the leprechaun is a different color and not green. Maybe the leprechaun is taller and not small. And by the way, maybe the pot is not filled with gold, Daddy. It's filled with kisses. I was reconnected to the most four most important people in my life. And I'll never forget that experience because it's those miracles, those miracles in life that we, we have to, we have to grab onto. We take advantage of that. We, that we seemingly step over is just another day. And when it's taken away from us, that's when we appreciate it the most. So um, I want you to think about if, if coaching is the art of creating possibility, think about how you cannot, coach, manage, sell if you're focused on your end result. And by the way, if, if salespeople aren't selling, if still selling, they're set up for failure if they're selling the same way or if managers are still managing the same way two years ago because the new management and, and sales strategy today is care and connection. Even if it's on a one-dimensional screen, that's why the conversations have changed. This is why we're having this conversation because it's it's starting to refresh and renew and, and pour a solid foundation of what you can now build on to innovate and move forward. And you can't do that if you're not present. So what else lives in the present? Cre creativity, the art of creating new possibilities. Possibilities live in the present, okay? Um, uh, when you deliver value and create value, that, that lives in the present. Life lives in the present. What do you think you're going to miss out on with two eyes focused on the future? The present. So what lives in the future? Your goals, your expectations, your results, your fear, your worry, your angst, your anxiety. All synonymous with fear. All in the future, when we bring ourselves back into the moment, the fear, the stress can touch us, and it allows us to be fully present and engaged in what we are doing, which is why I, I put in the chat box, no multitasking, But if, because if you're multitasking, you are certainly not present. It's like playing three different sport games at once, football, soccer, and basketball. Y'all won't do anything well. So... We are now watching the clock, and I want to be mindful of our time, everyone. And we have that one final conversation, that final topic I promised you, and it's about patience. And I think the one thing that people struggle with today is being patient. Uh, here's a rhetorical question. Has anyone here ever lost their patience? I think we would all say yes, unless we're lying to ourselves. But why? You ever stop and ask yourself why you're losing your patience? It's typically because things aren't happening the way you want them to 
or as fast as you want them to, or someone's not getting it the way you want them to, or uh, the customer's not doing what you want them to, and we, we lose our patience and we get frustrated or we get frustrated with our children or anyone else in our, in our lives. The problem is, is that um, I want you to consider where patience lives. Let's go back to the three points of time, the past, the present, and the future. If we live in the future and we're constantly focusing on what's next, okay, we're not focusing on what's now. Guess what else lives in the present? Patience. Patience lives in the present. So if you're focused on the past or focused on the future, or you're in a conversation pushing for the result uh, and the outcome you're looking for, first of all, you're making it about you. And when you're selling and when you're leading, it is never about you okay the second thing is you're pushing your agenda okay that is not the definition of coaching the definition of coaching is the art of creating new possibilities and the only way you do that is not by pitching it's by asking and changing your presentation into a coaching conversation in whatever you do and that allows you to detach from the outcome and be fully present and if you're fully present that's where patience lives. So if you want your GPS to never find, to never lose your patience again, you'll find it in the present. So uh, we're doing great with time, everyone. We're actually going to uh, wrap up uh, a little bit earlier. I, I'm sure uh, uh, you can appreciate getting a few minutes back so you're not going to be late or uh, scramble around for your next appointment. I do want to do a little housekeeping because I have some great things I'd like to share with you uh, and some new resources I developed just for you, and I want you to be the first to hear about it. Uh, number one, <clears throat> I have written my first memoir. Uh, about being a perfectionist. Yes, I'll raise my hand. I am a recovering perfectionist control freak. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you don't know anyone like that, right? Uh, maybe very close to you. Uh, I, rise my, I raise my hand. Keep in mind, I'm still recovering. I put together a memoir of my experience of where it started and how I overcame it. And I'm sure many people would be interested in that. And I promise would connect with that. So that's going to be going live pretty shortly. So sign up for my newsletter or make sure we're connected on LinkedIn. Send me an invite so that you will get notified when you can go ahead and download that, which will happen in the next week. Okay. Uh, again, I am here to, to support you and your team. If you need me, contact me. I already gave you my mobile and, uh, 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 email address kr at keithrosen.com, uh, 516, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 231 2774 is my, is my uh, mobile. I give this to you. Uh, some of you might be surprised, Keith, why are you giving your personal information? Because what kind of coach would I be if I didn't create an unconditional stand for you? So uh, again, make sure we connect on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, I have a few other surprises to offer you. I am offering you, if you like what you heard, and if you want to even expand on that to more deeper strategies on how to coach and how to sell and coach customers, reach out to me. <clears throat> I'm actually putting together a free Q&A for any company with a certain amount of managers and salespeople who uh, can reach out to me free Q&A on sales and sales leadership. I'm happy to develop that for you. So let me know. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Finally, uh, I love to hear about your wins and challenges. Email me, text me, please. I'm always here in your corner when you need me. One second. <clears throat> Thank you for your patience, uh, your eternal patience. Um, again, uh, I've given you my contact information. I truly hope that the 40 minutes that we spent together has made a profound impact in, in your success, in your life, and that you can take that with you wherever you go. And more important, learn how to develop a culture of mindfulness, because that's really what we're talking about here. <clears throat> People throw that word around all the time. Mindfulness, mindfulness. This is mindfulness at its, at its greatest level. Imagine what can happen if not only you absorb and embrace what we discussed today, but now you have the power and the awareness that we have taken these five and six concepts and put them in front of your line of vision so you can also su support and coach others to achieve the same. So as always, thank you for your time. Thank you for my time. I wish you all extreme success. Uh, until our next session, please make it a safe and happy week and start thinking like the leader I know you can be. Have a wonderful day, everyone, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Take care.